Welcome to the Andy Social Podcast. My name is Andy and I am currently sitting in the Virgin Lounge in Perth. I am an idiot. I missed my flight. Uh, so I've decided that I'm going to maximise my time sitting here and I'm going to record a bunch of intros for the upcoming episodes that have just been recorded here in Perth. So uh, this will be one of a few intros that will all be recorded uh, right from the Virgin Lounge here. So I'm going to spend less time rambling and try and be very efficient with these intros. So this week's guest is uh, Brendan Capriotti and Ashley Large, also known as Cabra Ash. They are part of the Perth band Claim the Throne and they also host their own podcast called The Blodgecast, which you can find on iTunes. Um, these guys are total DIY experts. They uh, Their podcast itself is really a behind-the-scenes, candid look at how a band functions. Um, it sort of removes the veil that a lot of bands use these days to make themselves to look out bigger, look bigger than what they are and, and keep a lot of things mysterious. Um, these guys have really sort of just put it out there and shown how, how sort of simple things can be um, and sometimes a lot of things that aren't as glamorous as what many bands make out uh, make things out to be as well. So it's quite handy. Um, there's a lot of things that uh, that I've certainly learned listening to their their podcasts. And to be honest, I think I mentioned this in the episode with uh, Cabra and Ash that the um, their particular podcast definitely influenced uh, me getting my own podcast up and running as well, being the Antisocial Podcast. So it's been really really cool to catch up with them and have a chat. So we recorded this in Leaderville, um, which is a suburb of Perth, at a pub called Fibber McGee's, and the guys uh, treated me to several pints of Hop Hog, <laughs> which is a local local craft beer there. And I tell you what, I was. Uh, I was off on another planet by the end of this conversation. We we certainly part, partake or partook in uh, quite a bit of beer drinking. So it's uh, it's a fun episode. There's some interesting things and perspectives, um, a lot of DIY talk. So if you do play in a band or you're interested to, to learn a little bit more about the mechanics behind a lot of bands, this is uh, this will be a good episode to listen to. Uh, if you want to check out Cabra and Ash's podcast, The Blodgecast, you can on iTunes. Um, I think you can also find it through their band website, claimthethrone.com, and you can find them all over social media as well. I think they're on most of the most of the social media platforms out there. So enough of me. I'm going to have a sip of my beer and record some more intros. And so uh, please enjoy this episode with Cabra and Ash of Claim the Throne and The Blodgecast. Hello. How you going? Yeah, good. Cabra and Ash here from Claim the Throne. Good yes. to hang with you, Andy, finally. The yeah. two uh, podcast competitors. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're battling. Yeah. We're battling for the, for the ratings. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got the hottest voice here out of us three? Yeah. Ash, I would say. Most likely me. Not really. You do have a bit of a radio voice. Thank you. I don't think I do. Yeah. I, initially, when I first started listening to uh, the Bodgecast, mm. I was because uh, I hadn't met you guys. I've, this is the first time I've actually met you guys in person. We've we played a couple of shows. We've met before, probably we? not yeah. memorable, but yeah, I can't yeah. remember anything really. Yeah, yeah, drunk, <laughs> too much alcohol. <laughs> we played a couple of shows. I think we did something in Adelaide at one point. And, yeah, definitely Adelaide is the one I was thinking of. And um, I th- anything in Adelaide's, well, I don't remember anything really. They're 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 a write off straight away. Especially speaking, we we're just talking about drunken gigs. Um, they're certainly up there as far as. Adelaide rules, and for us, maybe like almost not a second home, but I don't know. That's where we played our first show out of our hometown, and then you get a bit of the touring bug from there. So yeah. we owe a lot to Adelaide. Yeah, yeah. There's um, 
there's some big booze hounds there and it's and everyone disses Adelaide and says the scene shit. I reckon it's pretty damn good. Like it's one of the places that before we started touring there, everyone said, don't waste your money, don't go to Adelaide. And um, I think I went over there once for one of the Against the Grains just as a punter and I got smashed. I missed my flight. I end up at Jason's place and somebody was trying to book me another flight and I just don't – it was hazy. It was really hazy. Sounds but it was enough right. of an impression that Jason went, do you guys want to play next year? And I'm like, Matt, all right, done. And then after, after that, it's been great. It's been like one of the best cities to play in probably after Melbourne. Melbourne's always the best, but um, it's, it's been one of those good places. I think there's heaps of underrated places in Australia. Like um, we've had some pretty good shows in Canberra even. Canberra can be good. And uh, where else? Wagga Wagga. Wagga Wagga. Uh, Ballarat, Bendigo. A few where, well, some of them don't have the most people, but it can be the most fun. It depends what you want in a gig. Actually, yeah, it's sometimes better playing to like 10 payers because, <laughs> um, yeah, it happens to sell a lot more merch, we've found, than if you're playing to like 200 people at a festival. There's heaps of competition for selling merch. Oh, that's it. But if you 10 do, people, like... they really appreciate it and you can like treat them to a pretty personal show and they'll spend, you know, 100 bucks each buying everything you've got. Well, if, speaking of Adelaide, if you do like the New Dead, and you play with 30 other bands, you get your merch going, it's, I mean, you walk away with bugger all in comparison to doing your own show where, as you said, you can get like 10, 20 people that rock up, they're pissed off their head, they love it, and they're just, whatever cash is in their wallet, or if there's an ATM, you're cheering because they're just like just drawing all their money out. I'll get every, one of everything, you're like, yes. Yeah, we awesome. even have done things like <laughs> haggling and stuff. And yeah. <laughs> stand out the front, get all CDs and shirts, and then like, how much are shirts? 15 bucks. Oh, fuck that. Oh, do it for 10. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. All right, I'll do it for eight. And like, all right, we got a deal. Make, it, make them feel like they got a win. Like, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Trade you a shirt for two pints of beer. Hey, Done. there we go. Some local currency. That'll work too. <laughs> yeah. But no, Adelaide is good. Yeah. And, fuck, we've always had a good time there and stuff, so yeah. more people should go. I think it's just when international bands come through, especially metal bands, the scene doesn't seem to turn out. But, hey, I don't go to every single international show that comes through Perth. Yeah. So I, I get it's it. opposite here opposite in Perth perhaps like um, a lot of the international shows seem to go pretty well but you never see all those people at local gigs whether that's a not standard thing around Australia but it's a Perth thing I think perspective from the east coast looking at Perth it sort of seems like Perth's got this eclectic mix of musicians and creative types that, and it's, it's a smaller it's a smaller city to begin with but it seems to have this vibe where you're either you're either not doing anything at all or you're doing everything so anyone who's in the music music industry or playing music and whatever is seems to be achieving a fair bit, and I don't seems know. Seems to be. Seems to be. <laughs> I don't know. And I mean, I'm sure you guys will ground me and bring me back to earth and tell me the realities of how shit Perth is. But I I think there's a lot of there's a lot of great things coming out of Perth and a lot of artists and yeah, whatnot. Totally. And um and everyone seems to know each other as well, which is a big help. Mm. Um. And I think, I think giving you distance and your challenge straight away because you're so isolated from everybody else. So to travel, to get out to the East Coast is such a massive cost. And I think you guys have got good government grants or something. You've got some yeah, good, yeah. good initiatives yeah. behind back, that back you a bit. Cabin knows more about that than, than me. No, mate. His area Fuck of expertise. Both we do. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like the perspective is that there's a lot of support there and everyone sort of feeds off each other to try and, try and do great things as opposed to shit me. Where, <laughs> where Sydney Mike is just Sydney is just <laughs> who does who does who um, wins guys it's um uh, Perth scene is pretty awesome so uh, 
yeah, I would normally love to rag on Perth whenever possible, but it's actually pretty cool. And like you say, everyone sort of does know each other, and so you get that really close, cool vibe whenever you go to a not not every local gig, but you know yeah. when there's a, a decent lineup, and um, just some nights are better than others, I guess. But when everyone's together at a gig, it's definitely a really positive vibe. Um, generally supportive, yep. I guess. Um, sometimes it can get a bit. Uh, it's a bit seen like it's anywhere else, you know. Between, but yeah, um, yeah. but overall, it's pretty pretty awesome, and that's probably something that is that you do notice differently in different cities around Australia is that maybe yeah, everyone doesn't know each other. Yep. Um, so I think that's something cool that we've got over here, and there's definitely no shortage of bands and a lot of different styles of uh, metal going on. Well, one of the things that um, actually Stu McGill t- told me about when we I think it must have been the last time we booked. Um, booked a show over here and I think Dicey also told me as well that you guys have got like this I think it's a Facebook group where the local promoters are all sort of aligned in so you don't do the gig clash and everything like that and basically if you do then you're going to be banished from from the Perth music scene like you'll just be kicked out of the it started because there was a lot of clashes at the time and I guess anywhere else that would be normal you'd expect to have multiple gigs on in a night but over here we don't really get that many so I don't know, and everyone does know each other, so it's just became this thing where whenever there was a clash, people were getting really shitty about it, and it would affect turnouts, and it's not good for anyone. So, yeah, there's like a Perth promoters group, so you go on there and there's a pinned post which has a calendar on it, so if you want to book a gig, that's the first place you check. Is there anything else on tonight? And if not, you sort of, well, you can just book it and chuck it in the calendar, or some people will say, is it cool if I book this date or whatever, and... No yeah. one replies, and then they book it anyway. And I'm sure, like places like Melbourne, don't have to worry about that sort of stuff. I mean, you could have five gigs on the same night, and they're all getting at minimum 200 payers. It's incredible. Melbourne's just unique, but Sydney needs that. Uh, Brisbane's not too bad. <laughs> Brisbane usually is pretty good these days, but um, Sydney's just a, Sydney's a mess anyway. And for for the biggest city in the country, we've got the smallest scene. But uh, how could it not be a mess? Because it is so big, like here. Yeah. We were we caught the train in yeah. and we went past our rehearsal room that we jam at, and that's like the hub of I reckon 50% of the bands in Perth all rehearse yeah. there, and then the other 50% are split probably evenly through maybe a couple just spotted around the place, yeah. smaller rehearsal areas, yeah. and it's pretty hard not to know what's going on. I think the big thing in Sydney is that um, when Sydney was doing really well. We had consistent promoters, so we had guys that were just constantly focused on putting on metal shows. So either once a week or once a fortnight, once a month, and it was just consistent. People knew what to expect. You would you would align into that promoter because the promoter would keep you informed as to what bands are coming up. And everyone uses the excuse that we had the lockout laws and venues were shutting down, and yeah, it had an impact, but it was a bit more of a, an excuse to just say it was shit and people were lazy, basically. So we lost so many promoters and then the promoters have got to be jaded and they get, they sort of threw in the towel. And so now most of the shows that happen in Sydney are bands self-booking themselves. So you don't have that sort of that local momentum already there where you've got people that are waiting to find out about the next show. You The hustle is on the band themselves to try and promote their own show and hope that within their own circles they can find enough people in Sydney that will know about it and then come in. And you, over and over again it's the same thing I didn't know about that show no one told me about that or I didn't see that and someone's like oh there was a Facebook event it's like okay yeah well it doesn't doesn't always help it's not the only thing it doesn't help when like Jimmy's baby showers on the same day and (laughs) you get all these notifications and stuff like are you going to this place or that and yeah it's hard to find through all the mess I don't have Facebook for that reason well not entirely for that reason but I would just keep getting people telling me like where were you 
you know, this party, this gig, this whatever. And I'd be like, dude, I don't know. And then, you know, they take offense when they almost have to promote it via text message or via a poster run or something. Well, I remember, I remember years ago where, well, about 10 years ago when I first moved to Sydney and started doing the Lord stuff and the amount of text spam we would get amongst all of our mates that were in bands about shows coming up this weekend and whatever, it was just, you were used to it. You would send out this mass text and you'd be trying to keep it under 140 characters or whatever. You didn't want to go two of two or whatever it is, trying to make it into one text message. And that was just the norm. And then there was also the flyer thing. I mean, we have like Gigantor or whatever, and like 06 or whatever, we would we had a duffel bag full of like 5,000 flyers and we'd just walk up and down the line, hand out flyers, and most people would just like go, fuck this and throw it out. But people would be like, oh, you're in that band. I'm like, yeah. And you shake hands and then someone would have a beer and you have a sip of their beer and you keep walking along. And that sort of built that momentum and that connection straight away. So that first year of us whoring the fuck out of the band and doing that grassroots stuff, like that first year, best crowds we've ever had. And now, like, everyone's like, oh, man, I can't be fucked going on that international show and hanging out afterwards and trying to battle with security, telling people, like, telling us to fuck off and not hand out flies out the front of a venue or whatever. <laughs> it's just... And then a lot of people now say it's not worth it. You should just do online promo and... I don't know. Well, to... Um, Talking to the experts here with the, uh, <coughs> with the <laughs> DIY uh, band podcast. Uh, well... Firstly, the text messages thing is pretty hilarious, and I'll one-up you on that. We were talking not that long ago about um, going back to literally posting things in the post, in yeah. the mail. <laughs> yeah. nice. So uh, whenever, you know, if you sell merch to people, you steal their address and then send them out personalised letters or something, and no. we've got all this shit happening in the coming months. But we haven't done it, and it's probably not worth the hassle. But um, obviously, uh, email is the way to go. Uh, and because we've already mentioned all the problems with um, the social media as being the only promotion, but not enough bands have their own websites, I think, now. And um, being able to capture all those email addresses and people can open those emails in their own leisure when they've got time because, you know, they might log on to Facebook once or twice a day and you've got to compete with your event link against a video of, like, a taxi driver <laughs> busting out a rap song. <laughs> so and people obviously prefer to see those ridiculous videos or from the burbs, lab bible or whatever so. or uh, doggos or whatever it is totally but <laughs> websites honestly aren't that expensive you know a hundred bucks a year and a little bit of effort learning how to do it and you get your built-in mailing lists and people do still sign up to them believe it or not and it's just a, a, a way better way to 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 reach people and a bit more personal um and you know if you're going on tour and you go into 10 different cities you can segment your email list and you know, get to the people that you want to get to. But also Flyers is awesome. And I think that personal face-to-face thing where they actually get to meet the band member, that's amazing. It's cool. It's yeah. cool. It's like I, I talk to a lot of guys who I hold in high regard who've done a lot, yeah, promoters, booking booking agents, guys that you all know, and they will shit on those old school ways and just say, no, nah, it's not worth the time. And you, just, you go, no way. Like, yeah. you've got to do it. I mean, even I got to a point where I hit up about eight bands across the country and I made a combined flyer that advertised eight bands, four on each side. Um, sort of more of the melodic side of stuff, so power metal, thrash, probably uh, sort of folk stuff and whatever. And um, I printed off like a couple thousand copies of that. I divvied them out to all the bands involved and for us anyway, and I let everyone do whatever they wanted with the flyers, but for us, 
because we were getting so many orders at the time, I think we must have had a new album at the time, I put them in every order. So suddenly eight bands were getting exposure to all of our fan base across the world. And, you know, most people probably look and go, eh, whatever, and chuck it in the bin. But you never know. Like, some people get really enthusiastic. And I think if you're buying directly from the band, you probably got a degree of music enthusiasm where you, you're sort of, you feel encouraged to go and check out another band. So stuff yeah. like that. It sounds so old school, but fuck, it works. Yeah. Do you remember when, like, you get a CD from Nuclear Blast or something like that, Metal Hammer, somewhere, and it would rock up with stickers and yep. sometimes even promo CDs of other bands yep. and stuff? and upcoming gigs which were never relevant to me because I don't live in Germany but just <laughs> heaps of shit and you felt like oh this is cool and maybe I'll get a CD from them next time because I might find something interesting yeah. and yeah I used to eat all that stuff up but it doesn't happen so much but people still do it like Dicey Prime Cuts. No, Dicey, Dicey does. Yeah. Um, definitely chucks in lots of free stuff and also uh, I'm not sure whether it still happens probably not but when um, if you ever used to order things from Psychroptic online yep. Dave Haley would chuck in extra discs of random death metal bands from all around the world and yeah, that's cool. just a good way to you feel like you're a bit more in the scene you're finding about these underground bands that you wouldn't have found out if you hadn't have purchased something off their web store yeah. so that's pretty amazing it's good i mean we uh for a couple of years there and we still kind of do it now like we used to shout out to bands because there's so many local bands that would just have piles of old shitty cdr demos sitting under their bed collecting dust because they couldn't sell them anymore trying to give them away for free no one wanted them and i said just pay for the postage but if get them over to me and I'll just give them out and we used to chuck we used to say to our, our fans like every time you order something from us you'll get at least one free CD and a bunch of other random shit depending on what we had so it'd be flyers stickers all sorts of crap and it was great and we put a little note in there to say basically uh, an acknowledgement to them thank you for supporting um, but also check out some of the other great Australian bands and support them and, and, and gave a few links to some of the webzines and we're doing great things as well and a bit of cross-promotion. So it's great for our fans. They got bang for buck. It's great for other bands because they got to get rid of all their old shit and get to reach more people. And it was good for us because people kept coming back and ordering stuff from us because they, they got extra shit in there. It was like an incentive to go and buy a CD or a shirt from us. It was so good. And it's similar to when you're saying you hand a flyer to a guy on the street and it's you in the band. Yeah. And people lose their minds. But yeah, like I've ordered stuff from like Dave Haley, for instance, or guys from overseas. And it's like the dude from the band and you've got his return email, uh, not email, fucking home address. Yeah. You're like, oh, I could stalk this guy if I had <laughs> $2,000 for a flight. But um, yeah, that, that all reminds me of, um, you know, Frank Zappa. Ever yeah. heard of this guy, Frank Zappa? Yeah, I think I've heard of that. Um, yeah. Was listening to a podcast the other day and the guy that ended up joining Zappa's band, he was like 25, used to ring up, it's like the Zappa hotline. And it would be an answering machine message. I think of Frank Zappa going like, hi guys, I'm playing in fucking Omaha next week or something like that. And um, yeah, he used to ring up to find out what Zappa was doing. And he, one day he said, I'm getting the band back together. And the guy rang up his management and next thing is in the band. But wouldn't that be cool to just, everyone's on a mobile phone, like have like a hotline or something? Claim well, throne hotline? You can totally steal this idea. because An I app? Could, yeah, that app would be awesome. I had this idea a while back and I was just too lazy to execute it. But... I wanted a thing on our website where it was a 1-800 number or just a number and you could call it and you could leave a voicemail. And what we would do is that after a month and hopefully you'd actually get people to call the number, that's the, that's the whole yeah. the whole main thing. But if you got enough voice messages, then each month you would put up like a YouTube video or something like that was just the audio of all the messages that have been left over that month and you just keep keep doing that. And so people would call in just so that because they know that it's going to be published later on. So 
yes, you get your idiot mates we caught going, you guys are a bunch of fucks. Rah, rah, rah. But you'd also that's get... Good, yeah, but that's, that makes it funny as well. Yeah. So you'd have a mix of like your mates, but also people from all over the world that would call in and leave a message or something like that. And I actually did some research. I was talking to a few guys that worked in telco. So I'm trying to find like software that would record um, straight off voicemail without actually having like a, a, a tangible voicemail recorder. And there was a couple of websites that had it. I have to go back through my old emails, but I just never followed through with it. But that's one thing that it's just that interaction, that connection between fan and band, which would just be so, so cool. Well, we did do the thing, yeah, on, on our podcast, which we don't do anymore, but we had done in the early days. Yeah, there's a... Well, we had our website through WordPress and there's a plugin called SpeakPipe that you can have. Yep. So when people go to the website, they can record a message. Oh, man. And then we would play that on the podcast. And we'd get the occasional ones, but it wouldn't be regular enough to warrant it really. We might get, you know, one fan thing every month. It was mainly me going, is this thing working? <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd play them on the thing. But I think fans like that if, you know, if you make the effort to give them a chance to get their voice heard. That's yeah, pretty, yeah. They appreciate that. It's mad. I think it's so good. It's such a good way to connect and, and people love, it's so underrated and I think people forget about it, but I think people get so psyched when they're acknowledged, even if they just get a tip of the hat to say, like, I'm aware that you exist. And it sounds so, it sounds so ego driven, but it's not like that at all. Like we're all fans of music and we've got people that we, we've grown up with and idolised and, and bands that we love and on those occasions where we get to associate with these amazing bands and they turn around, they look at you and have a conversation, you, you sit there and go, oh, hello. <laughs> and it's amazing, it's so good, but it's such a, it's such a simple thing and um, a lot of bands forget about it. And I'll shit on the last two bands on my podcast, Alkira and Espionage, fuck you guys, because when you are talking about before, about websites, I'm, I'm putting show notes in for the, for the podcast and I'm going, all right, I've got to find their website. And neither of them have websites. Yeah, I have the same thing when I'm doing worksheets for gigs uh, and I go to put in the band's websites. They don't have them. No, nah, they've both got Facebook pages and Bandcamp. Fair enough, that's cool. But you need, you need, a, you need a proper website. When the time's right. Don't yeah. rush it, I guess, if you're a brand spanking new band, but definitely. Yeah. Don't rush into it. I'm going to drink. Oh, I was about to do that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Ash what, is getting oh, us whatever. Yeah. While he's doing that, I'll throw one more promo idea at you. Do it. Uh, we're going to see the Stormrider Festival tonight yes, in Perth, obviously, and... Uh, Stu, who runs that, had a pretty awesome promo thing for this um, this festival, which I thought was really interesting and cool. Uh, in the world of streaming that we're in today, he has a Spotify playlist yeah, with yeah. all the bands playing at the festival. Um, so, you know, a lot. Well, most most people will at least have a Spotify and um, Apple Music subscription or, or whatever it's growing so i think that's a good way to do it um as opposed to maybe printing a compilation cd and handing them out in the streets a lot of people might just chuck them in the bin or whatever but it's hard because i love i love the tangible thing i love yeah. getting the cd and i think that's cool and i think it appeals to people but i think more and more now people are gravitating towards that that mm. digital stuff and um i was talking to alex from voyager last night and voyager like fucking so against Spotify and all that stuff. I think yeah. they, a while back I remember them making a big song and dance about it online and I, I get it and I'm on, I'm on the fence because I, I, love, I love what Spotify is and I think it can be great for bands. I think it's a great exposure tool. It's not a revenue tool whatsoever. Like you're not going to make money off it but um, it, the reach is, can be incredible if, if, it's, if it's used right. But yeah. It's a tough one. I'm also on the fence about it um, and I can definitely see it from both sides but um, you know, either the people that 
are into Spotify now are probably the same people that would stream the album for free off YouTube anyway. That's it. So, you know, you get a couple of bucks and a bit of more exposure and Spotify does allow you to advertise your stuff a bit to a date some merch and your bio and, and that. Um, so it's kind of cool and as much as musicians hate to hear it, if you give away your music for free, then you can get more fans to come to your gigs and buy your merch. And there's that argument that, that people do hate, but I don't know, it's a tough one. Do you find that now more so than ever before? How long have you guys been around for? Mm, 10 and 10? a bit years, yeah, 11, yeah. 12, something. So compared to when you guys were just getting started and how much the, inter- the internet has <laughs> changed, sounds so weird still referring to it as the internet. I'm sure it's going to change its name eventually. It's going to be like something life awesome, yeah. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, real life. <laughs> now, with, now that we've got life here, um, but do you find that it's easier to to connect with ba- uh, with fans as opposed to probably 10 years ago where you would have to rely purely on trying to do this blanket blanket approach and try and hit as many people and you'd find that majority of the people that you're trying to pitch to are casual fans that don't give a fuck about your band might like one song if you're lucky um, and you miss sort of all those hardcore fans whereas now you can really sort of pinpoint those loyal fans now you can really sort of um, you can find that niche audience like you don't have to worry about trying to find a hundred thousand yes and no man I know what you're saying Um, and definitely it is good for that, but you also get those people. Now with the internet, you just get like a thousand Facebook messages from people going, hi, your band, I like you. And you're like, they're not a hardcore fan, but they just, I don't know, just giving you the shit. So they say, can you send us your pics in the mail? Or can you send us <laughs> you guys something? Played, you guys have played Southeast Asia? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Where is that exactly? Uh, it's in the southeast of Asia. <laughs> I don't actually know what that means, but we have played in Asia. You played in so Asia? Is that Japan? Uh, no, I don't think it, I don't think Japan's well, Southeast Asia there. is like Jakarta, I guess. Okay. So uh, it's yeah. Indonesia, Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam. We've done Penang, Jakarta, uh, so done Bali, places, yeah. and um, and then yeah, Japan and South Korea on the so other I, side. We've played Malaysia and Singapore. We haven't played Indonesia, but. We'll see you guys in a couple of months at Hammersmith. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, damn. Um, <laughs> Make it F. Get your hair. Oh, fuck. Oh, Lord. I got it. Yeah. Lord. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I do say so myself. Um, <laughs> actually, at Hammersonic. Well, I think we will because I laughed about two days ago or whatever it was. There was an email from uh, Brad and uh, it was um, he was introducing a bunch of people to the local contacts over in Indonesia. And it's like, ah. Uh, Hi, such and such. This is Andy, uh, manager for Lord. Uh, this is uh, Kaba, um, uh, manager oh, yeah. for Claim the Throne. This is Lewis, uh, manager of uh, Depravity or whatever it is. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm like podcasting these guys this weekend. So it's going to be small world. So you are meeting up with Louis? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do it tonight. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Because that's what I said. I said, who else is he doing? I was like, got to do Louis, right? Yeah, well, I was actually talking to him, and he's like, oh, man, I can only talk about metal, hey. I don't know if I can talk about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sounds like Louis. I said, do relax. I'm like, you do so many things. You just tell me war stories about playing through Asia. And he's like, oh, man, that would be the best. All right, no worries. Louis so, is awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, but uh, I don't even know. What I oh, no, um, Southeast Asia, one thing that I've noticed with that is even just playing in more so Malaysia than Singapore, there's a big different, the demographic is completely different. And in, when we play Kuala Lumpur, there's so many Indonesians that work in, in Malaysia. And um, the chaos that's involved in a gig like that is just insane. And one thing that when we finished playing, like we got rushed on stage by everyone that was there. 
anything that wasn't locked down, people were trying to grab and, and salvage souvenir. I had like my little vest on, my little heavy metal vest, and some people were going, yeah, oh, photos. And then people like grabbing my jacket, going, jacket, 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 jacket. And I'm like, uh, no, you can't have that. And I'm like, pick, 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 pick. And I'm like, no, no, no. Penis, penis, penis. <laughs> And it was, <laughs> and our our tour manager who was based in Singapore that was helping us book the shows, he was like guarding the t-shirts. He had them on the ground, and people were coming up trying to steal a t-shirt. And he's like, almost like a like a, a mother or a father slapping a child. And people would come up, and he was like, you guys slapping must them have gone head. off then. <laughs> it was crazy, but it was like in this loft thing in this building and it was probably like 60 payers it wasn't so a lot so it was, was like, a, like sounds oh that was yeah i have to have a so look so that was penang i didn't know where the fuck ours was but yeah same thing it's like third floor no ventilation whatsoever yeah. this no oh. feels like the same place no lock on the toilet door it was crazy. massive diarrhea from me and <laughs> <laughs> what is actually awesome though and i don't know whether they do that because they're actually so excited to have bands over or something yeah. but we had I don't know if it was the same at yours but there was um, they would sort of have an MC for the night who introduces all the bands before mm. you start playing I think that's a pretty cool touch I like it I reckon I reckon that should be something we should introduce into yeah. the Australian scene I reckon there's um there's a guy in there's a guy in Victoria uh, Mitch Alexander I think he's a comedian I don't oh, but yeah. he's a I think he played in I don't know enough about this guy but I've seen him being talked about and he, I think he played in a metal band and he's become the, like this heavy metal comedian, and he does a couple of like the odd shows here and there. I think the the Oz Ocalypse or whatever it is, that one in Bendigo that's on each year, and he does some MCing there. And um, and he was introducing bands, and I reckon if you had an MC that just did a bit of an intro, I reckon it'd be fucking hilarious. I, I might do an intro so tonight. Please do. Yeah, MC. <laughs> uh, we were in Melbourne, and there was a. This is just watching a gig. Yep. In a tiny little place with you know six dollar beers they probably weren't allowed to sell behind the bar total shithole one of the worst venues ever saw but a perth band called death fucking cunt were playing <laughs> so we went to see him catch up say hi new blake was there that was cool and um yeah this guy comes up and does a stand-up set in between and it just went down like a pile of shit <laughs> it was so bad and i was the, waiting for it to go it just went down so well <laughs> no nah, everyone was just sort of like kind of laughing at him but he was also in on the laughing at himself yeah, like this is bombing himself. so hard yeah but yeah it was pretty hilarious and then dfc go on and that is the end of the story i reckon i reckon it'd be pretty cool i think that's one thing that we're missing in like the australian scene is like we've we've become so accustomed to just putting on a gig it's just a gig you got a headliner you got a couple of supports and you and when you promote it the, the bands are like oh man this is gonna be the biggest night ever you know, come down, this is going to be brutal. And everyone's like... 800 uh, people saying they're attending on Facebook. Yeah, mm. 20 turn up. Yeah. And, but there's no more of the whole event thing associated with it. People don't actually push it as an event. I always love it when someone turns around and gives it some spastic name like, you know, heavy metal fucking annihilation or whatever. And you, 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 feel like, you feel like face palming yeah. yourself. But at the same time... It kind of is. It, it kind of works because it makes it feel like if you don't go, you miss out. Mm. It's this one-off event. It's kind of cool, and not that I'm saying to people that you should call it heavy metal annihilation because that's. <laughs> I think that's taken <laughs> by 55 but, gigs in Perth this year so far. 
we've tried to do a few things in the past uh, t to vary it up a bit because I, I definitely agree with you. It's just, it's just a gig and there's four bands and it's over. But um, we've done things before uh, like a quiz night, metal quiz night, where we yeah, play and yeah. come up with all sorts of weird and wonderful questions about uh, metal bands and whatever and sell tickets as a table. So yeah. we might only sell 20 tickets, but everyone needs to buy a ticket for 10 people per table sort of nah, thing and that's yeah. really cool and you can still have a band or two playing uh, and also um, the river cruises that yeah. they also do in Melbourne as well and yeah. we try to do it over here it's just something different I guess and uh, there's sure one coming up you guys things. are doing yeah yeah, yeah. River Cruise one? and it's yeah. also a heavy metal formal yes so yeah. it's a ball so yeah. we're expecting everyone to wear our tuxedos and ball gowns <laughs> is that everything's acoustic as well no or no, 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 full, no four metal ball. bands playing <laughs> and um yeah we'll have a slow like, dance competition I was to say, some I metal ballads some waltzing there yeah it'll definitely be that hopefully some people rock up in limos give some awards out to the bell of the ball the guy yeah. bell of the ball <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, but so yeah, I definitely think that yeah, not enough bands uh, think outside the square and make make their turn their gig into an event or an experience, you know. And it, yeah, maybe just an MC is enough to to turn it into a whole thing. Maybe just, we can introduce Lord at Hammersonic. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> oh, look out! Here's the ideas. Going. Have you seen Dicey's um, Kirudali Jakarta? No. For his, he talks in Indonesian for the. Um, oh, it's not out. I don't know. I don't know. Well, oh, no. Inside Goss coming up. Is uh, this is this him recording? Oh, did you do the intro video? Yeah, yeah, we've done yeah. ours as well. Yeah, I got the short straw for that one. Did you do it in yeah, Indonesian? I, no, no, I didn't uh, do it. So he no. did because he, yeah. he speaks a bit. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, could get him out, and he basically wants to do that festival just so he can talk in Indonesian to the crowd. Mad. Nothing to do with us at all. So ah, so uh, might have to some, uh, <laughs> get some Indonesian slice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Might have to uh, you utilize this. Your guy come that out. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, 31 minutes and 30, 30 seconds. Um. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Could, it could have been worse. It's all right. See, I edit our podcast, so mm. we get to say what we want. And I just put in a track marker, like, take that out, <laughs> sir. And I tell people we don't edit our podcast because I don't know about it. I keep telling people I'll send you I'll send you a copy of the podcast before it goes out, and I just I just forget. Yeah, we don't do that either. No, no. Um, okay, so <laughs> let's cut the crap. Speaking of the podcast, the Bodgecast, you guys, and I'll be completely upfront and honest, are part of the influence of me starting mine. Oh. And not that that mean, means I don't know it means what it is, but um, I think. It was so genius to hear you guys do it from a DIY point of view, be really transparent and honest, because so many bands up until recently were so, I think so many bands were so fixated on trying to make it mysterious and make it look like we're bigger than what we are, we're making a lot more money than what we are, we've got more fans than what we actually do. And and even we were like that as well. We would try and push it, make it, make ourselves bigger and better than what we are. And the realities were just so fucking poor and horrible. But, but for you guys, you guys went totally for the DIY approach. You're really transparent about what you guys did and the hustle between trying to get gigs. I mean, the episode that you guys did uh, ages back when you did the US tour and getting the RV and, and all that sort of stuff and the visas and all that sort of stuff and going Emptying through Emptying the piss on the ground. Yeah, and, but it was, it was so good because that was prior to us playing in the US and we had a different scenario all over, um, completely to that. But to me... When I was listening to that, we were 
in the mindset of we've got to try and start looking to book club shows in the US and try and look at what it takes to do it. And here I was with a notebook listening to you guys talk about it and I'm going, all right, okay, so I've got to do this, got to do that. And I thought this is amazing that another band is just throwing it out there because a lot of bands are so fucking reluctant to tell tell other bands what what goes on. It's like this competitive thing between bands and maybe maybe you've been hanging with too many Melbourne bands. Well, Shit on Melbourne bands. The way I look at it, <laughs> I, I hate that um, this thing that's come around that bands will give that extra information to you, the behind-the-scenes information, if you pay them first, whereas we look at it, we'll give you that information to try and get you as a fan, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's, yeah, people look at it the wrong way around. To tell you about the uh, Blodgecast, though, first one time um, someone was telling us a story about Nurgle from Behemoth and how he had a blog, and he said, I read his blodge, and we ran with it and turned it into a podge and <laughs> just went with it. One of these weird inside jokes that we've just kept the name. And that's how it, that's it's ridiculous. How it came about. Yeah, I don't know if we've actually explained that on the podcast, but anyway. I think we've done it about nine times because we oh. enjoy Hop Hog when we do a podcast. No. Um, okay. um, the whole thing about it is that we. Cab is a marketing guy, yep. a marketing whiz, and uh, I like trying to record and yep. like get better at music. And so we were listening to heaps of podcasts, and we thought, oh, that's cool. Like it's a great way to find information. And we thought maybe if someone would do that for us, we wouldn't have to search so fucking hard to find out how to do things like put on a show in America, yep. which is, I mean, the concept is pretty easy. You email someone and that's it. It's a whole lot of other shit that goes with it, but I think a lot of time people just need to know. It can be done yep. by someone as like pretty low key and normal and living in uh, the northern suburbs of Perth, such as me and Cabba. So yeah. Anyway, we did it. Recording gear. It's pretty easy. We've got it right in front of us. We're yeah, at a pub. That's it. I mean, do you find do that it. you've since you've put it out, like put the podcast out there, and you've done a bunch of episodes? And what do you guys do? Roughly one a month. Roughly. It varies. Sometimes it'd be one a week, Probably and sometimes it'd be one every three months. But oh, average, <laughs> yeah. Probably. Do you find that you've you've found a lot more people because of it, or you've connected with people that you wouldn't expect because of? Well, this very interview, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now there's there's a, definitely a few people that appreciate it more than others, and um, yeah, it's pretty awesome when you get a message every now and again, and they'll say, "Oh, I listened to such and such episode, and I learned this, and thanks so much. I wouldn't have known otherwise." Yeah. Uh, and it was the same for us before we started. Like Ash said, we were just getting into podcasts um, and listening to all sorts of random podcasts. And you go to look for music ones, and there's not really many out there yeah. for musicians. So um, it was sort of like a good chance to jump on that and provide what we were looking for ourselves, yeah. I guess. Um, but the way we were actually starting it was the whole idea was to be um, a tour, uh, sorry, a studio diary when we're recording our last album. And because a lot of bands sort of do the photos or a blog or something to to tell people what they're up to in the studio. We were like, let's just talk about it and record it, and that's the podcast. But we found that we are too busy recording an album to do that. Yeah, first episode was like March. We are like, all right, so next week we start recording. Next episode, October. <laughs> so fucking home recording is a shit idea. Album's not out. It's This is all going south real fast. And yeah, we just well, continue I'm trying there. to do that now with my podcast because I was talking to the guys in the band because I haven't had... I don't know. The guys probably don't give a shit, but it's on my mind. I haven't put any of the guys from the band on my podcast so far, and the bands and the, the podcast we've been tried around for like, and they're, they're not interested. Well, I, I heard the one with Dicey. That was alright. Oh, that was okay. Yeah, you do that. <laughs> Jesse's guested, and that's like, hey, Cab is here. Uh, what are we doing today, guys? We're like, well, you're leaving, and we're going to do a podcast. <laughs> it's like, oh, why can't I sit in? So she'd sit in and say like, whatever, it, like more as a co-host. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. 
it's pretty embarrassing being interviewed. This is the first time we've been on someone else's podcast. Do you find do you find it's hard when you're doing a podcast? I mean, for the both of you guys together, you've done it you know, as a co-host sort of thing. So that definitely helps. But when you're talking to somebody that you know and you've known for so long, does it feel like does it feel a little bit like you're playing radio? Like, oh hey, come and play radio with me. We've got because I'm yes. reluctant because <laughs> I'm reluctant to do it with um, the guys in the band. Um, I've always been the good thing about my podcast is that I'll talk to anyone and everyone. So family, friends, professional, music, whatever it is. And but the people that are closest to me that I've known for so long, they're the people that I still have not had on the podcast because I feel like if I sit down and I'm having a chat. I'm like, uh, so we're going to play radio now. Yeah. Um, we've got to try and have a fabricated conversation and try and be natural about it. Short answer, yes, <laughs> like Ash said, but sort of I guess you just need to not creep people out about it. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, don't just whip the microphone out when they're not expecting it or anything. But uh, <laughs> I find that if, if you choose the right people to, to join the show, you find that they actually want to talk about these things as well and you wouldn't normally do it because you go out to the pub and you're drinking and you just talk shit and it's whatever. But when you, in reality, they actually want to talk about metal or they want to talk about touring or they want to know what you're up to and vice versa. So I think, you know, after a couple of hop hogs <laughs> and, and, you know, a, a chat on the first question, it, it flows pretty it goes It goes quickly, yeah. But also like... Um when, when we're talking to people we don't know, we're trying to find out about them. Mm. But when we're talking to people we know, we already know about them. Yeah. And it's, sometimes it's a bit embarrassing to go like, so I've known you for 10 years, but when did you start, you know, getting in bands or something? And they're like, <laughs> I told you back in 1996, you dickweed. <laughs> or, you know, there's stuff like that. Yeah. And it is a bit awkward. And I think if you listen to the start of our podcast, one of our first interviews was um, a guy I've been in bands with since I was like 18. And he came on the show, we know him really well. And because we were so used to like listening to interview format podcasts, you're like, so um, when you're playing a uh, guitar, do you like a pick to be heavy or light? And he's like, um, yes, well, interesting. I use uh, Dunlop Tortex picks. And it's, yeah, but in later years, we figured out, look, if we know him, let's just have a drink, even if we don't. Just have a drink and just chat and hang out and that stuff comes and if it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. In I think the best thing about podcasts is that you can shit talk and you yeah. can just let it run and usually that's where the gold comes. You, something will eventually come through out of natural conversation and make it worth it. At, most recently, we had an episode with Ryan Smith who is probably going to be there tonight. He's like a Perth power metal local legend. Yeah, right. Okay. I've known him for years, yeah. like years and years and um, more increasingly over the last year, had this podcast with him. He's not super active in bands at the moment. And, um, yeah, just, just having a chat and a lot of beers. And then the next gig I went to, almost everyone came up to me like, oh, yeah, I heard your episode with Smitty. It was great. And I'm like, you listened to the podcast? Oh, no, I didn't. But then you interviewed Smitty and it was great. And, yeah. you know, even people who have been long-time listeners are suddenly like, yeah, I think you guys have really nailed it from that one. And it's like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> it actually had, like... Everything to do with music, but nothing to do with music. It was just yeah. chatting, and it's weird. Yeah. Like some of the best, the best uh, podcast episodes that I've done have been people that have been so close to the inner circle of like mates in sort of metal and just shit talking for. I mean, one um, was I don't know if you know Anwar from yeah yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah yeah. So I did one with him, 
I mean, we went for three hours on the phone, just like back mm. and forth, just talking shit, talking about metal and whatever. And it was fun. It was like a, like a really sort of natural flowing conversation. But I sort of put it out there and thought, oh, it is what it is. Like if people know us, mm. then, then they'll like it. But anybody else, whatever. Still to this day, probably one of the highest listen, listen yeah. to episodes and people will still come to me and say, I love that one with Amwa. And you go, really? Like, not the one with the guy that had, like, the double lung transplant or Tony Barber or or these That's other ones so that are really... That's crazy you did Tony Barber. <laughs> How the hell did you hook uh, that up? Well... You don't have to give, but whatever. No, no, no. Um, somebody sent me his Facebook page, like, two years ago and he had a picture of him sinking a VB yeah. as his profile photo and I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was a fake account so I added it and then I realised it was actually him no and way. then about 18 months ago I messaged him and said oh I've got this podcast <laughs> like look I'm special yeah. um, would you like to be on it and he said oh it depends uh, he was trying to be funny he said something like uh, as long as it's not past my bedtime and I said well what, what, what's your bedtime and he didn't reply for like three weeks and then I pushed <laughs> him again and he replied and it just didn't happen. And then about 12 months later, I finally hit him up again and said, how about it? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And, what the hell, hey? And that's it was so cool. cool. He's yeah. just like, <laughs> the awesome thing about people like that is that for him, he's like retired from the business. He's not doing mm. anything anymore. Like he's just chilling out down in regional Victoria. He's got the beautiful place. And um, he's just, he's happy to have a yarn and uh, talk shit for, for yeah. an hour. And it was, it was amazing. It was so good. Um, but people dig podcasts. Yeah. Well, well, because it's not a formal interview yeah. and it's a bit more long format, it's not like, okay, we've got 10 questions to figure out who you are. If we don't like it, yeah. you can get out. But, you know, when you're just having a yarn, yeah, it's a bit can be a bit awkward at the start, yeah. but then as you get into it, It's amazing cares? how quickly it changes from, yeah. from when, you, when you begin that conversation, you're like, you're trying to find the ground, you're trying to find where you sit in the conversation, you're trying to like sound them out. And so it's very sort of cold and awkward. And then and then the momentum kicks in. And by yeah. the end of it, oh, <laughs> fuck, here comes uh, Cabba with uh, three hop hogs. <laughs> <laughs> hop hogs are so good, by the way. If you live in this another is a country, sweet beer. This is really another good. country, another state, you should try them. <laughs> I just ordered uh, three pints of hop hog, please. And she goes, We don't sell hop hog anymore. I said, I've already had two of them today. She says, Oh, I must have brought it back. Okay. <laughs> you might want to ask the other guys you work with because yeah. uh, they've already served this. <laughs> uh, maybe we're, cheers, maybe guys. Else. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll do a Good quick times. cheers. Cheers. All right, sweet. What I was going to say is um, on that point, it's funny how the people that are so close in those, in those inner circles, they're the most popular podcasts. And to me, that sort of the lesson that I learned from that is that I have to, I'm, I'm always pushing so hard to try and find like the most unique, special guest, somebody that people go, what the fuck, why is he talking to that person? And that's fine, I can do it. But sometimes the person that's in that inner circle that's playing in a band or whatever will get the best response from, from, from the crowd. Like they, like I was just saying, I was saying like Amwa was like one of the highest listener downloaded episodes I've done. It's just incredible. Three hours of shit talking. But it was amazing and everyone loved it. Everyone kept messaging going, Amwise is the best. It's That's so like good. you've already spoken about us. <laughs> well, I mean, we've, we've even done ones with um, our actual fans. Smitty. Oh, yeah, yeah, Smitty. Yeah, yeah. Smitty. But, but yeah. One, one of the, we also had a popular one, which was like, yeah, it, we, we've got, 
It's funny how everyone's, every band has like a fanboy yeah. that they know will definitely buy the new CD when it's out or whatever. <laughs> We've got one of those. His name's Amos Polglaze. He'll be listening to this. And, um, and we had him on once and it was really cool to sort of interview him about what he looks for in a band and what he appreciates and what he wants that other bands don't do, I guess, and that sort of thing. And, and people love listening to that, even though they don't know who Amos Polglaze is apart from when we mention him every episode. But uh, <laughs> I've got it's a cool way of doing it. And I Smitty think, also is a good one. And yeah, yeah. I think I might have to steal that idea. There's a guy that bought a CD off. We put an eBay auction up uh, a week or so ago for an old EP that we just sold out as soon as we put it out, and it sold for like 200 bucks. It was just fucking ridiculous, like dumb. Like I just I thought it might get 50 bucks if we're lucky, and it just went crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and and so now I'm thinking maybe maybe I should have that guy on and, and chat to him because that guy time in, time out, just you can rely on that guy and he will just throw money on the line and you've got to be careful because you don't want to take advantage of it because I could just go, Oh hey, um I've got uh receipt Andy's that I jocks here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got my jocks, I'm gonna sign it, uh put them up on eBay, sweet. Oh five hundred, yep, done. Let's take yeah. it. Yeah, I'll sniff them. But it's perfect because, um, yeah, that was the whole premise behind the Amos thing. Like, we knew he was a regular fan, but Cable was looking through some PayPal stuff and went like, hang on a minute, you've spent, you know, almost 500 bucks in the last calendar year on Claim the Throne merch. Wow. What the hell are you doing and why? So we got we him over. If we had 10 more people like him, if we had 10 more people like him, we'd be loaded, you know? Yeah, we'd be making a wage. But, um, it's yeah, either way, I think with fans and mega fans and stuff like that, I'm going to lose my train of thought because I've had a lot of hop hogs. <laughs> well, actually, not that many, but... They're big hop hogs. I don't know. <laughs> We're talking about my lack of breakfast oh, this morning. You're playing drums and you break a cymbal on stage. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I saw Ailstorm did this where he broke a um, oh, cymbal and then would sell it at the, the merch stand. These guys are the masters. Well, yeah, just there. sign it, sell yeah. it at the merch stand, and that's 35 bucks. I'm like, dude, is it even worth it? He goes, hey, it buys me a bottle of plonk or whatever it may be. So I go, oh, yeah, okay, sure. So I put two symbols at the merch stand. Threw, um, I think I threw like 35 bucks on them or something like that. Something like that, right? Anyway, one guy, a band I was actually recording for at the time, like I was engineering. Yeah. He walks up, he goes, what's the deal with that symbol? And I go, oh, it's broken. It's, you know, for fans to buy. And he goes, oh, shit, I need a new China. I'm like, that is not a new China. <laughs> it's dead. Anyway, he goes, oh, how much? Oh, I'll buy that. And I was like, dude, just have it. Just have it. Amos walks up and he goes, um, and he goes, are you selling that? I've got money at home. And uh, we like gave him a lift home and like, sorry, Amos, but I was desperate for cash at the time. <laughs> so I took his 35 and knocked it nah. down to 30 and I was like, so there good. you go. Anyway, Ailstorm are the masters of that. I remember them doing like they ripped off a toilet seat at one point and they signed the toilet seat, put it on the merch table. Oh, really? And, and I haven't heard that yeah, one, but I love and, it. Um, I, I've it loved, sounds about right. I love it. I love it. Because one I mean, amazing, it works for them. It works for them because it's, yeah. It does. And an amazing thing about Ailstorm, as, like, as big as they've got now, uh, yeah. sporadically over these years, they're like, happen to be one of the biggest metal bands in the world, I guess. But, um, that their new album's coming out soon and the press release for their new album is just so ridiculous and the amount of in-jokes and ridiculous humour in this press release just brought me to fucking tears laughing. Because you guys have toured with them in the UK? We have, yeah, yeah. years ago. Um, and it was, yeah, it's funny, they sort of took off 
out of nowhere like the the whole pirate metal thing was a bit of a just a muck around joke thing for them I think I remember seeing a video of them playing at a festival in Germany well, they were huge like in ten, Germany well um, 10 plus years ago and yeah. they looked so awkward on stage and you look and go uh, it almost looks like somebody's like given them the, uh, a golf clap and said alright guys you can have your shot go on stage go on and you watch it you go it's so awkward but now they smash it they, they do smash it and you'd never know because yeah. we um, we did the 70,000 tons cruise in mm. America with them well not with them but we were there they were yeah. there we were both playing on the bill actually we played just before them so it was like return to That's old cool. times for us which was cool and uh, yeah same thing like alright cool we're between between shows for a day grave diggers on and so, yeah, just go into the crowd <laughs> with, like, Chris Bowes and watch him dance <laughs> to Chris Boltendale, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, they're just such obviously normal people. They love what they do, but, yeah. you know, they just have fun with it and that's what we've always tried to do. So, yeah, well, it's I've, fucking hilarious. I haven't, we haven't played with Al Storm, but um, we've, I know Gareth, um, I helped him get an ESP endorsement and I've met... I met Chris because Glory Hammer were going to do Prog Power with us last year and didn't didn't quite. Oh, they their visas got fucked for I was that. I going to say visa issues. Yeah, I'm sure. Yes, there were some major visa issues. Yeah, he got married in Vegas. Yeah, I heard there was some there was some last minute problems with that one. But um, the Lagerstein guys got me in um, when they did the last Australian tour in Melbourne, and I've never consumed so much alcohol in my life than I have with that. Because um, I don't know if you guys know Andrew Craig. That's a big call coming from someone who's smashed eight pints by <laughs> two o'clock. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, we know Andrew it's Craig. It's all downhill. Yeah, we know uh, Mr. Andrew Craig. AC, Drummer yeah. extraordinaire. Um, how many stick twirls can we do with these pints we've got in our hand? <laughs> what sort of facial expressions are we talking about here? <laughs> uh, good how, guy. How, how, how massive can we open our mouths? Uh, we, will, but, we will lick him out. I would totally lick him out. I love Andy. He's a fucking awesome He's dude. Good. He's good. And also Andrew Craig as well. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> now he's a good dude. And um, he was like, I don't know what the fuck he was doing. He was like, he was, he was, um, he was doing sound or something for one of the bands. I think he just, he's a band whore. He was just jumping on for something. He was just trying to be a part of it. But he got me um, backstage after it. And then I was sitting on the side of the stage drinking Captain Morgan's out of a Mount Franklin bottle. Uh, while Ailstorm were on stage, and we had plastic chairs like along the back of the behind the drum riser, and they were so fucked. Like Chris was on the ground on his back; he couldn't even get up. And the whole the whole band were like trying to kick him to get up, get up and and perform. And it was just the most chaotic thing. And I I've always seen ourselves well, not so much now, but years ago, like just being this like booze hound band, like just drinking beers on stage and being like chaotic and loose and whatever. And I watched that went, and we're nothing. We're schoolboys. This is nothing. The drunkest I've ever been on stage, and believe me, I'm in Claymouth Grown. I've been drunk before. And uh, we were in Leeds with Ailstorm. Had some time to kill. Went to a some sort of pub. <laughs> oh, Tequila Sunrise are on special. All so right. we had like, you know, three or yeah. four of them at the pub. All good. Go back to the tour bus. Stop past Aldi on the way. <laughs> Oh, it's really cheap booze. So I grabbed, a, I grabbed a bottle of tequila. I was like, oh. let's keep this party going. Anyway, we all we all grab bottles, right? So just blah, 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 fucking tequila's going. Got to the end of... Oh, sound check. Looked at my bottle of tequila and it was gone via my stomach. <laughs> and I went, oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do this. And it like... I go, yeah, I'm coasting. This is not too bad. Got on stage to play. Totally packed. It was like... 
300, 350 cap, but about 400, 450 people Man. shoved in there. Awesome. And it got to a point in the set, I'm like, I think I'm either going to yak, shit myself or fall over, but I think I'm pulling it off. And then Jim, our bass player, turned around and looked at me and he's like, like mouthed to me, laughing, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Jim no. Parker's telling me, what are you doing? He likes a beer, doesn't he? Oh, for fuck's sake. You ever seen him in no, your hometown well, look, of Sydney? Um, I've, been, I've been a fan from afar. Dear Lord. I, I, I don't think, actually, maybe, I have probably met him. But, um, you would have, but yeah, just drunken. Just yeah, drunken. that's it. That's, that's a lot of, there's a lot of amazing people I've met in my, my time. He's a human machine. That guy, yeah. that guy loves to consume alcohol. And um, if he's telling you what's yeah, going on. Yeah. There. Hey, my, the best gym thing I've ever seen was just before I joined Claim of Throne, watching them play the Perth like Western Front Metal Awards. Perth's, Perth Night of Nights. And I'm standing in the crowd next to Jesse's, Jesse's mum. And, um, you know, watching them, oh, yeah, they're doing really good. I'm like, yeah, they are doing good. What's Jim doing? He's walking behind the amp to, like, piss in a pint glass and <laughs> yak up in another one. <laughs> Just, yeah, he's a fucking unit. He's hey. a loose unit. Yeah, Far animal. out. <laughs> Human animal. I heard Ab Animal by Jebediah the other day. Oh, yuck. <laughs> How many Just Aces did that take? Oh, no, hey, we, we uh, like speaking of, I was going to say, um, literally, <laughs> before I got in the Uber to come here... You were I was, to I was listening to the last episode oh. of the Bodgecast and uh, you're talking about cutting your hair. So you look, yep, and uh, with your hat on, you look a little bit like Scotty in from Anthrax. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Yep. Yeah, yeah you got the goatee oh, thing yeah. happening. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mad. Um, and then I had to stop, and it wasn't because out of uh, disgust or anything like that, but I had to stop right when you're talking about smashing pumpkins. I had to sort of let it, let it go there. But... Um, I didn't even know I was going with that. There was, it's just there was good something... to talk about 90s <laughs> rock bands, you know? Oh, no, Just Ace. Oh, yeah, just just Ace. Ace. And you were talking about <laughs> how many times you got to sing it in the shower or whatever. <laughs> this was actually, because that episode only came out the other day, and we were texting each other once it was out, listening to it, going, what has this podcast become? <laughs> like, within the first four minutes, we're talking about how many times you can listen to Just Ace in the shower. So using Just Ace as a unit of measurement. I'm trying to think of the riff <laughs> off Just Ace because... Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I was I was thinking of uh, a Blink-182 riff because it's a very similar Same riff. Shit. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. No, we, we use Smashing Pumpkins and Red Hot Chili Peppers for a lot of comparisons in terms of audio anyway. I have to share my podcast with Ash and he talks about them a lot. Uh, <laughs> all right, so... Anyway. Oh, we're looking it. forward to interviewing you next Ooh, time, by the way. Shit. Got questions about Lord and the anti-social, but we'll save that. Yeah, and for fuck's sake, make yourself a bit more social while you're here, like all over the place. I've never heard. I, I thought Lord must be playing because mm. why is Andy crossing the country to yep. interview 400 fucking people? We're not that motivated to do our podcast. What's to do with that? Uh, frequent fly points. Boom. Years and years of flying virgin pays off. But um, I've got this goal for the year where I am going to do podcasts in every capital city of Australia for 2017. So I take it you're going to blacken the globe? No. Well, it's Is not a capital a city. Oh. No. But maybe I can... Oh, when's that? April? No. Uh, yeah, it's Easter weekend just after. Uh, so. yeah. Crazy for you not to go to. You could... Well, whether your schedule permits, you could do it. Cruise up to Darwin... And meet up with Nocturnal or something like that. Really get it going. Oh, Nocturnal. Yeah. 
I'm sure they've featured on a few episodes of, of ours before. That's it. As is, what, what as those guys, a, a, a nocturnal, those south, southern desert metal no, guys. Similar. Are they? Are they got a bit of a, a crossover? Men, I members. Honestly, have no idea. But their film clips have been similar. But um, no, I think I, I don't really know the what the deal is with those Deadly guys. Deadly metal. They were just one of the, the early Australian new metal bands, to be honest. They beat a, a lot of I the crowd. A, and I got a nocturnal CD. Then fucking Super Ice came out, and here we are. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> so you could easily do that. You could cruise to Tassie, which I'm sure you probably got lined mm-hmm. up for that um, when fucking Over are coming, or Ulva. Oh, that in June, isn't it? I don't know, but that's fucking awesome. Put on oh, my that was, that was actually doing a tour. Well. That was out of the... Oh, is it? Uh, I'm sure they've got a big-ass billboard in Melbourne, so I've heard. Yeah, but but I'm pretty sure one of the billboards I saw was like, it's a one-off thing. Or oh, advertising the festival. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Buy the tickets why first. Tasmania, the tourism, <laughs> Tasmania tourism. Norway to Tassie, yeah, why not? Yeah, Go it's well worth it. Lance Buddy like Franklin in fucking Tasmania. That'd be pretty mad. Man, if there's some When's that? I special think deals in... on flights, I'll go, if Ash goes. I think Me it's too. in June. I think it's in June. I'll have to check it out. All right, we'll see how we go. It's three things. No, two things probably before I wrap it up. One is yeah. you've, got a, you've got a new podcast. Do you want to plug yes. that? Um... Yeah, it's brand spanking. It was just a bit of on a whim, but I'll just keep doing it. It's called Band Tools. And again, it's because when you go searching for musician podcasts on iTunes and whatever, there's not a whole lot out there. So it's a good chance to do what I'm looking for, I guess. Uh, And the idea is just every episode is a platform online that is pretty good for bands to use. Yeah. And stuff that I've found helpful over the years. And also is a good chance for me to give out shit for free that I've been building over the last 10 years or so of like actual templates and um, folders and all sorts of weird admin-y nerdy crap that um, that I think a lot of musos would find handy that a lot of musos don't actually do so, and it will also give you an idea of what other bands are doing and how to make yourself you know professional I guess um, you know how to do a proper worksheet how to do you know how to communicate with your own band members. How to how to do shit as a band, essentially, and <laughs> how to so function as a that. band. How to actually function. How to get on with each other, and um, yeah, I don't know how to make your band not look like idiots <laughs> when you're contacting other people. It's cool. It's essentially like what we started doing at the start of the Blodgecast, yeah. where Cabell would have a segment about marketing, I'd have a segment about recording, and then it just turned into basically hop hogs and talking. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> Cooper's Sparkling is also a favourite of ours. And uh, especially at uh, $18 for three, if you can find it, do it. Or 25 for four, currently at BWS and Kareem. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so, so Cab is doing that. And it's, yeah, just to leave us to do our own devices. Yeah. I've started a podcast of my own. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I haven't released yet because I need help from Cabba's band tools. Yeah. I need a band tool to be able to host... And uh, also distribute my podcast to various platforms like Stitcher based on recording. and iTunes on recording. Yeah. So kind of like branching off. So I listened to a, previ- a previous episode with uh, the guy from the US that did the... Um, Work, doing the working class audio? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So something yeah. something similar along those lines? Definitely. And the, and the idea is that, um, in, yeah, instead of, I don't know, just getting all these weird-ass segments on the Claim of Throne Blodgecast, we'll have my little marketing thing and Ash's little audio thing, and then every time we do a Claim of Throne Blodgecast, we'll catch up and 
talk about our latest episode as well. So we have that marketing segment and the audio segment. Bring them together up. and talk them in, about them in a Claim the Throne uh, language. Get it out of the way for more sparklings. But not <laughs> the working class audio and those kind of audio ones. I like doing what we're doing, mm. but then going like, so, you know, um, you know, how do you make a living doing this? Well, I fucking don't. Uh, <laughs> and Cabba doesn't doing his marketing. Yeah. And so it's more about like, we tried something and it either... We usually got it to work, but it probably failed and succeeded in areas uh, and fucking whatever. And here it is. And if you want to try recording yourself, and if you need to record bass for the next Lord album, Boom. you yeah, might listen too, to an episode of my podcast yeah. and go like, you know what? It's not that bad. Yeah. And maybe you'll save money on editing your own podcast one day. Yeah, for sure. Who can fucking handle the time? Too long. <laughs> Fuck, we're going to ask you some bass questions next oh, episode. Yeah. I can't wait. Oh, look hey. out. Anyway, point two. <laughs> so what's your favourite uh, bass recording rig, Andy? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Plug it in. Save that. Save that. Yeah. Next. Um, okay, right. so um, I've asked this so far. It's a recurring question. It's not very original, but I'm asking everybody. You can answer it individually or collectively as Claim the Throne, but... In five years' time, where do you see yourselves or where would you like to see yourselves? So you can, you can be ambitious or realistic, whatever you want. I would say the only goal that we haven't achieved to date is touring Europe. Yeah. So, yeah, the only remaining goal is to play European festivals, basically. Wacken or Summer Breeze or Party Sand or any of those ones would be super keen on that. But where do we see ourselves? I don't know. Like, we're pretty old now, so... Couple of, couple more years of going hard <laughs> at uh, trying to do cool things, and after that, I mean, we'll never never break the band up, but we might just slow down and just write music and see what happens, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think we found the only barrier to doing music is possibly touring because of the money, the expense, and if yeah, you can't generate enough money to actually go on tour, then you know you can still keep a band going and record out of your bedroom. If you've got someone like Tim Gross manning the controls, <laughs> if you don't want to record your own bass. But yeah, I think we can still make music until we're old motherfuckers. Mm. But yeah. Babies and if we're getting married and having babies, it's pretty hard and you, know, you can't just go away for three months at a time. Yeah, and we both like half got careers, I would say, in the works in our in our private life. Yep. In our fucking takes up all the time of our goddamn lives. To pay for being in a band. Exactly. So at some point there's <laughs> gonna be a give or take and I think yeah, I think in five years, if we've toured Europe, we're pretty happy. And then we'll just do music after that Sweet. for fun. That's good. Well, fellas, I think I'm going to wrap it up. I've still done. got... You got another one to hell. go, mate. You've done really well with I your points. I am drunk and having a blast <laughs> and I'm excited for the night ahead. You guys got an acoustic set uh, tonight at Storm Rider. Yeah, man, they don't happen very often, so I'm pretty excited when they do and it's super chilled out. Yeah, man. And we're getting to open tonight as well because... Well, I was, it's good to do that. Before even realising there was an acoustic set, I just saw you guys on the on the set times. So I went, what the fuck are you guys playing at 6 o'clock? And yeah. all I could think was, you guys wanted a drink and that's it. And well, it's funny because <laughs> old mate Stu, who's running the show, likes to uh, advertise us because, well, without having an ego, card. I guess maybe a slight draw card. But um, <laughs> but for us... Draw on a lineup of a lot of interstate bands. A lot yeah. of interstate bands. And I don't know, we always say whenever we play geese, like, fuck, I wish we were opening tonight so we could just get in, set up, be ready to go when doors open and then drink the rest of the night. Mad. Piss our pants by nine o'clock and be Sounds done good. with it. Oh, well, as long as you beat me to it, then I'll be happy with it. <laughs> Thanks, Andy, and yeah. anyone out there, 
make sure you uh, subscribe to the Claim Throne Blogcast because there will be an interview with uh, Andy from Andy Andy oh. Social Podcast very soon, <laughs> over the coming months anyway. So uh, keep your ears peeled. Spam, spam, spam. I'll, I'll, I'll hashtag marketing, marketing, marketing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. If you want to check out more of what Cameron and Ash are up to, go to claimthethrone.com. You can find Claim the Throne on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it, they're out there. Um, also, check out their podcast as well, the Blodgecast. So if you're listening to this on iTunes, you can search for them on iTunes. Um, I believe they're, they're on a number of other different platforms as well. But uh, a really cool DIY behind-the-scenes podcast that will uh, certainly reveal a lot of uh, interesting things of uh, how bands work and the mechanics behind it. It's, it's quite good. Uh, before I wrap it up, very quickly, if you want to support the podcast, go to antisocial.net. Uh, if you shop on Amazon, there's an Amazon portal link there where you can shop uh, as per normal on Amazon, but I get a small percentage of what you spend. and helps uh, keep this podcast up and running with some of those monthly uh, little expenses that uh, yeah, pop up here and there. Uh, if you want to support in other ways, rate and review on iTunes. Uh, that's a great way of getting this podcast out to more people. You can also share the links uh, to the uh, podcasts that are on YouTube. Uh, it's a great way to introduce people to podcasts in general or to a particular episode or guest. Um, and as always, any like, ratings, sharing, tagging, all those social media functions, uh, they go a long way to reach more people. So uh, thank you so much to everyone that's supporting. More episodes coming up soon. I've got a long list of Perth people and this is just one of uh, many to come. So thank you very much uh, for the support and uh, I'll be back next week. Well, I'm going to record another intro in a sec, but we'll be back next week with uh, with another episode of the Eddie Social Podcast. Thanks, guys. You're